Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome everybody, TGIF to you. Happy Friday, however you want to put it. It's almost over, but uh, we still got uh, an hour of fantasy baseball to talk about, get you ready for the weekend, and get you ready for next week, too. Uh, we will have one more show before the next lineup block, weekly lineup block, because uh, first pitch next Monday isn't until 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that said, that's bumping up a little close to the end of Monday's show. So uh, I went ahead and solicited your Twitter questions. Uh, got a few. Uh, if you still want to... Uh, uh, chime in with a question. You got one? Uh, feel free to ask at uh, Al Melchior BB, A L M E L C H I O R B B on Twitter. Uh, I'll check during the breaks, but already got a few questions lined up uh, that I will get to, uh, and perhaps do this again on Monday again, just because uh, we won't have hit the lineup block quite just yet. So get you ready for next week. We'll take a look at the schedule for next week. Uh, pretty full schedule because I got a whole bunch of teams playing seven games next week, only two playing five. Uh, so take a look at that. Take a look at uh, tonight's uh, slate with the lineups uh, as they come out. And also look back on yesterday's games, not very many of them, and went through a few of them on the show uh, with Nando DeFino because it was Thursday. It was Nando Thursday, and David Greenman was here. Uh, so they helped me out with that. But I'm still going to go back and take a closer look at some of the performances we talked about on air, uh, especially Vince Velasquez, who uh, had a no-hitter, I believe it was into the seventh, at least into the sixth. Uh, memory's not too sharp on this one, but a good start for Vince Velasquez. How about that? We could we could definitely settle on that. So I'll take a, a closer look at that. And also a uh, very nice start by Derek Rodriguez that we talked about. Uh, revisit that one as well a few big news items to get to uh so here we go uh miguel sano optioned actually not too long after yesterday's show so this news has been out there a little while but miguel sano optioned all the way down to high class a the florida state league uh and while this sounds really punitive uh the explanation given which does make a lot of sense is that uh, Sano can work with uh, the coaches that uh, the Twins have down there. That is their spring training site. I imagine maybe they've got a little bit more personnel on hand down in Fort Myers. So uh, they're going to work, it sounds like, pretty intensively uh, with Sano, who's just had a miserable season. I mean, he's always been extremely strikeout prone, but he's also been able to compensate that in each of his first three seasons with good batting averages on balls in play. Uh, Sano striking out at a career high 40.5% so far uh, through 163 plate appearances, but batting just 203 because he's hitting 
just 303 on balls in play, and I say just, that's actually for uh, the average major leaguer, pretty much uh, the, the normal BABIP rate. But uh, for Sano, again, he's always been well above average in that regard prior uh, to the season. So just not making much contact. And the quality of contact for Sano, not as high. Uh, by far, his lowest line drive rate, his uh, by a good margin, his highest pop-up rate, uh, his lowest hard contact rate. So wherever you want to look for signs of trouble uh, for Miguel Sano, uh, you don't have to look very far to find them. Pretty much everywhere um, you, you see uh, uh, problems there. And even the walk rate, which, again, in an OBP league, you, 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 or I should say in a, a standard traditional 5x5 uh, five five league, uh, even with the good BABIP, Sano, you might mark down a bit for batting average. But in an OBP league, in the past, you've been able to say, well, Sano, okay, he's going to get on base. Uh, but this year, a 270 OBP, an 8.6 walk rate, which uh, particularly by his standards, pretty pedestrian. Uh, so not just the quality of the contact and the quantity of the contact, but also the plate discipline. It's all gone wrong this year for Miguel Sano. So down to the Florida State League he goes. And in a corresponding move, the Twins have activated uh, Joe Maurer. So good to get him back. Uh, after some neck and concussion issues for him. Uh, so I uh, imagine he will be back in the uh, Twins lineup. Uh, although right now, the only lineup that's at is the Rays lineup. And uh, the Twins, I apologize, not remembering uh, top of mind here. Okay, yeah, they're at Cleveland. So we do have a good shot at seeing their lineup uh, before the end of the show. Uh, bad news for Evan Longoria. Of course, we talked about this yesterday because this had already happened prior to the show in that uh, early Marlins-Giants game. Evan Longoria uh, diagnosed with a fractured fifth metacarpal bone. Um, pretty much the exact same injury that Madison Bumgarner had, although the fracture is apparently in a slightly different place. And for that reason, Longoria tells the uh, San Francisco Chronicle he doesn't think He's going to miss uh, as much time as Bumgarner did, missing two full months. But still, you know, even if we say, if, let's say it's six weeks. I mean, that's that's a big blow for the Giants and uh, a blow for the uh, fantasy owners that uh, have Evan Longoria. So uh, I have to look for a, a replacement there. Uh, Giants will also have to replace him at, at third base. And according to the Chronicle, it's going to be um, – uh, it's going to be the, the the Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval, getting most of the starts. I was presuming it was Alan Hansen. Somebody on Twitter made a very good point that uh, Hansen's hit really well off the bench, and they probably just don't want to disturb uh, Hansen in that role. Uh, Sandoval's been, been hitting pretty well, playing pretty much every day lately. So uh, he'll shift over from first base to third base, and if you're wondering, well, what uh, what will the Giants do for first base? Well, Brandon Belt is on the verge of coming back. He could be activated as soon as today. He's been out with appendicitis, but uh, they will not be long without Brandon Belt. So uh, there you go. There you go. There's uh, how it's going to shape up for the Giants. But uh, in terms of fantasy, you know, losing Longoria, I mean, that's probably not something that's going to be affecting many folks in like a 12-team mixed league, but certainly anything much deeper than that, uh, you know, that's that's something that is likely to have uh, a, a real impact. 
And, uh, you know, while there's good depth at third base, uh, you know, once, once you get into that depth of league, there is a bit of a, a bit of a drop off. Um, so, you know, you may be looking at, uh, uh, maybe the, the likes of, uh, Colin Moran, who hasn't hit for nearly the power that I thought he would this year, but he's, uh, hitting 316, uh, 354 on base percentage, um, you know, maybe Yalmer Sanchez, uh, although he's really not offering a whole lot in any category. But again, in terms of somebody that that might actually be available, I'll tell you somebody who I think he could be available because I've seen him in my leagues and I've even scoop him, scooped him up in a couple of those leagues is Daniel Descalso, who uh, does sit, uh, if not freak, uh, not every time, frequently sits against lefties, but still continuing to produce. Uh, and produce for power. So, uh, you know, that's a, if you're talking, you know, 15 team uh, mixed deep, uh, I'm sorry, 15 team mixed league, uh, that might be one of your better options is to go with Daniel Descalso. So just throwing a few names out there to consider if you do need uh, an Evan Longoria uh, replacement uh, or maybe a Josh Donaldson replacement because he is still uh, not back and the, Blue Jays are not going to activate him today. So uh, Ross Atkins, the Blue Jays GM, told The Athletic that uh, Donaldson is still working through his base running so he could be competitive when he returns. So he's just not quite all the way there yet. Sounds like maybe if you're talking weekly lineups, maybe you could start Donaldson next week. But for daily lineups, uh, certainly can't count on Donaldson yet. And we still do have to keep our eyes on this situation uh, heading into the weekend. So as expected, uh, the Yankees have called up Jonathan Loisiga, uh, and he is going to make the start tonight against Tampa Bay. As I mentioned, I think maybe two days ago on the show, that this could be just a, a spot start for Loisiga. Um, right now taking the spot of uh, Masahiro Tanaka, but uh, we'll see how he does. As I recall, it was kind of the same situation for Domingo Herman when he first got into the rotation and there he is still in the rotation, even though he's had some struggles. So uh, really could go a number of ways for Loisiga. Um, Julio Tehran could be back this weekend. He is at least tentatively scheduled to start for the Braves on Sunday against the Padres, according to MLB.com. It looks like Freddie Peralta is going to fill the Brewers uh, fifth starter slot, at least for the, the next time out. He uh, was lifted after three innings for the Colorado Springs uh, Sky Sox in AAA. Peralta, you probably recall, was up earlier this year, uh, had a fantastic debut. But uh, as he's done uh, sometimes in the minors, he, he struggled with walks. So uh, Peralta sent back down and now uh, coming back up. And it looks like probably going to make, excuse me, uh, make a start on Tuesday next week uh, against the Pirates at PNC Park. Uh, this one, this next item has me almost a little bit excited. Uh, Joey Lucchese, who has uh, been on the DL with a strained right hip, he made a rehab start in the California League yesterday for Lake Elsinore. Four innings of no-hit ball for Lucchese. And if he responds well to having uh, thrown those four innings, and, and they were very efficient innings, so it wasn't like he threw a ton of pitches. But... Um, you know, if he's feeling good today, he could be back as soon as Tuesday as well. And that would line Lucchese up for two starts next week 
uh, at home against the A's, and then in San Francisco against the uh, Giants. So kind of middle-of-the-road matchups, but good venues in both of them, and a healthy Joey Lucchese we saw earlier this year is quite good. So uh, he may be uh, particularly in maybe 10 and 12 team leagues dropped by some owners when he went on the DL. So go check your waiver wire because even if it doesn't make the two starts, it, he's he's going to be back soon. I would think you know probably by next weekend at the worst. Um, so you know that's your your worst case scenario, and your best case scenario is you might get two starts from Joe Lucchese next week. In the meantime, the Padres do have to fill a uh, rotation vacancy on Sunday. They're going to go with another bullpen game. And they're going to go with Matt Strom. Or actually, I'm sorry. I was too definitive there. Uh, this report uh, from the San Diego Union Tribune states that Strom may make the start on Sunday in a bullpen game. So not a, a definitive thing yet. But Strom did very well the last time out. Um, looks like he may get another start. And if it goes well, you figure maybe you get three or three-plus innings out of Strom in that one. Robbie Ray, uh, his rehab not going quite as well as Joey Lucchese's. Uh, he made his first rehab start also in the California League with uh, Vizelia. Yesterday, he uh, allowed five runs, uh, but uh, only two of them earned. There's your, your silver lining, I suppose. Two earned runs, uh, five runs total in just two and a third innings uh, for high class A Vizelia yesterday. Uh, and a, a report here from MLB.com. That on the surface sounds like a big nothing, but you dig a little deeper and it's got some real fancy applications. Uh, Pirates, here's the thing that, you know, sort of maybe sounding obvious. Pirates are probably going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Uh, Certainly they've done a bit better, I think, than uh, a lot of us maybe expected. But, uh, you know, probably going to be a position to, to be dealing some veterans at the deadline. And the veterans named in the report... Uh, maybe creating some opportunities for some players who are widely available and could be really useful. Francisco Cervelli could be traded. He's had a, a, a very nice start to the season, tailed off a little lately, but more power, uh, different approach at the plate. I think uh, if I remember the report correctly, a few weeks back he said he added a, a leg kick, and uh, it's it's worked out well, uh, hitting for, for much more power. But uh, Elias Diaz... Backing him up has also had a nice breakout uh, season, of course, in less playing time being the backup, but somebody who never really hit for that much power in the minors, a little bit of power this year, good uh, batting average and on base percentage. So he'd be worth a flyer with full-time play, such as it is for a catcher. Obviously, you're not talking about every day, but with a big bump in playing time, Diaz could become viable uh, as a second catcher. Uh, maybe in some not-so-deep leagues, uh, given how his season has gone. And uh, we may have uh, Kramer and Newman on the scene, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Seinfeld. I'm talking about Kevin Kramer and Kevin Newman, a couple of the uh, Pirates prospects, uh, because uh, Josh Harrison, not too shocking there that he would be on the trade block because he was uh, uh, offered to the Mets, uh, or at least there were discussions about him going to the Mets this offseason for uh, Brandon Nimmo. And I believe the Mets balked at that and probably a good thing that they did. Uh, But Josh Harrison could go back out on the trade block and um, Jordy Mercer could get traded. And so you could see uh, Kramer perhaps at second base in place of Harrison 
and Newman at shortstop. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's uh, they, Newman's not somebody who's going to hit for very much power, but uh, could be a nice stolen base source and maybe not hurt you too much uh, in batting average, maybe even help you in batting average. But a couple of prospects there, a couple of Kevins from Seinfeld, Kramer and Newman, uh, maybe to put on your your deep league uh, radar as we get closer to uh, to the trade deadline. Anyhow, uh, that's all we, the news we've got for right now, but uh, going to head to break. And uh, when we come back, going to take a look back at some of yesterday's standout performances and a little bit later on, look ahead to next week. So all that good stuff coming up. I'm going to be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. This is the Fancy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you for joining me and uh, listening to the show today. Always really appreciate it. Um, got to uh, get to a couple of news items that uh, didn't get to in the last uh, segment. And as promised, be taking a look back at some of the standout performances from a not-so-big uh, slate on Thursday, but plenty there still to talk about. Uh, but first of all, do you want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game? Just go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. There you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their own families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help and also play in a free DFS contest with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Just go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. So those news items left over from uh, the uh, last segment uh, Jung Ho Gong has been taken off the MLB restricted list. The Pirates have optioned him uh, to AAA Indianapolis. Uh, so he is uh, now officially back on the Pirates' uh, 40-man roster. Uh, so uh, don't know really what the, the long-term plan is there, but uh, Jung Ho Gong uh, back on the uh, 40-man roster and in AAA. Uh, for the Cardinals, uh, they've placed uh, Jose Martinez on the paternity leave list. 
and also just now um, uh, Marlins a uh, bunch of transactions actually talked about this on yesterday's show that they were planning to put uh, Caleb Smith on the bereavement list they have now done that officially uh, they've also uh, optioned uh, reliever Ben Meyer to AAA New Orleans recalled uh, Mirandi Gonzalez from AA Jacksonville and uh, reinstated Brett Graves, who was a Rule 5 pick, reinstated him from the 60-day DL. And then finally, to make room uh, for uh, Graves, they've transferred uh, Chris O'Grady to the 60-day DL, 60 DL. So a lot going on there for the Marlins. But the one uh, impactful thing for uh, fancy owners, potentially impactful, is that they put uh, Caleb Smith on the uh, bereavement list. Uh, but still uh, looks like he would line up for uh, a pair of starts next week. We uh, actually talked about that on yesterday's show, uh, but uh, if he's back for uh, Monday, he gets the uh, the Giants at uh, AT&T Park and then uh, finishes off the week, unfortunately, at Coors Field. So that's a, a really, really big dilemma there for Caleb Smith. Uh, anyhow, get uh, back to a little bit of analysis of what happened in uh, Thursday's games? Uh, David Price, uh, very strong outing against the Mariners. Uh, kind of an old school uh, pitcher's duel. David Price and Felix Hernandez. We'll get to Felix in a little bit. But uh, David Price, just one run, given up over seven innings, five hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. We've basically seen the classic version of David Price now for, for a few weeks. Over his last six starts, he has a 2.54 ERA. Uh, out of those six starts, five were quality starts. None were really bad starts. And a lot of fly balls for Price. That's been pretty much a constant for him. I wouldn't say over his entire career, but certainly over the last several years. And over those uh, six starts, he has only allowed two home runs. And the ISO uh, against him is somewhere like right around 100. Might even be a little bit under uh, 100. So he's just not giving up extra base hits. It's a lot of a lot of soft fly ball contact for David Price, and at the same time, not very many walks, uh, getting the strikeouts. So you know, this is the David Price that the Red Sox were hoping to get. This is the David Price that on draft day you might not have expected it, but you were hoping for it, and that's what you're you're getting right now from David Price. So. Uh, that is very, very good to see. Felix Hernandez, still uh, some inconsistency from him, but um, two of the three starts that he's made in June have been really good, including uh, the one that he made against the Red Sox, which is not an easy assignment whatsoever. He went seven innings, just gave up two runs, eight hits, one walk, and six Ks uh, for Felix Hernandez. So I wouldn't feel quite safe starting him in a 12-team mixed league, probably not even 14-team mixed league, but... Um, I'm certainly watching his next start very closely because I think he's he's just about there. And let's get back to uh, Vince Velasquez, who, uh, again, had a no-hitter going for a while. Yesterday, uh, finished just allowing one hit, uh, but did walk a couple of batters, so two runs over six and two-thirds with six strikeouts against the Rockies. So is the Rockies on the road which is typically uh, a matchup that I like to pick on for the, the opposing pitcher. But it was Citizens Bank Park, which is a very tough park to pitch in. Uh, so and that is, of course, Velasquez's home park. Uh, but, you know, I put this to uh, both Nando and David Greenman, who were on the show yesterday. Uh, so the three of us, you know, we we gave our opinions about 
What do we think about uh, Vince Velasquez going forward? Uh, next week, he um, he gets, it looks like the, the Cardinals, at least projected uh, to start against the Cardinals next Tuesday. Uh, probably just the one-start week for him. But we all just said, no thanks, we're, we're still waiting. And I just wonder what it's going to take. And I, I'm pointing the finger at myself <laughs> as much as Nando or David or anybody else who's a skeptic of Vince Velasquez because over his last eight starts, he has had one really miserable start. And I think that it's the recency of that because it was his last start before this one against the Rockies. Uh, but it, aside from that start, he's actually been pretty consistent. Uh, it's not like it's, you know, well, besides, you know, three out of the last five starts. I mean, this is one start out of eight where Velasquez got shelled. He gave up uh, 10 runs to the Brewers. You take that start out and the remaining seven starts of the last eight, Velasquez has a 221 ERA, 51 strikeouts and 15 walks, 1-5, 51 strikeouts and 15 walks in 40 and two-thirds innings and only four home runs allowed. Uh, which again, you know, put this in the context of pitching home games uh, at Citizens Bank Park, pitching in this environment now where uh, well over a home run per nine innings is now normal. So four homers and 40 and two thirds innings is actually a pretty nice ratio. And add that to the fact that he's been providing far more than a strikeout per inning. And the walk rate is the one thing that kind of stands out as a little problematic, but you can live with that, especially given how many strikeouts and how few home runs and extra base hits in general that Velasquez has allowed uh, over seven of his last eight starts. So I think maybe the three of us on the show yesterday were being a little unfair. Uh, I think I'm certainly guilty of a little bit of, of knee-jerk reaction here. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Velasquez against uh, the Cardinals. Uh, you know what? I mean, I just it's a hard habit to break, but it's probably something I should at least give a look at if he's available in, in one of my daily leagues, um, given how well it's, it's gone for him lately. But there's, there's an interesting psychological thing here with Velasquez that I think I need to dig into and maybe even write about. I'm trying to think, too, because there's another pitcher that maybe it was Lance Lynn, I can't remember, but somebody that people have been really, really slow to pick up on and has done, you know, a lot to, to earn trust. Hopefully I remember that other picture beforehand. And if not by the end of the show, hopefully by the time I write whatever the column this is that I, I'm thinking about writing. Uh, Domingo Herman, well, I think, you know, we're, we still, uh, you know, we still maybe need more to be proven there, uh, but... Uh, you know, he's, he's certainly turning things around and had a fantastic start against the Rays yesterday. Uh, three runs in six innings, which, you know, it's minimum quality start if you look at just those two things. But 10 strikeouts and two walks, five hits. So overall, you got to love that stat line from uh, Herman. He had uh, 25 called strikes, uh, which is obviously very robust. And out of his last four starts, I know three of them, he had a very high called strikes rate. Collectively, across his four starts, 20%. And again, just to, as a benchmark, 17% or thereabouts is normal. So it's not uh, it's not Stephen Wright territory because he's been at like 25% over some period of time, maybe over, over the whole season, uh, which is just, you know, 
that's just extreme. Uh, I know I already used that word. I don't have a word to describe Stephen Wright's called strike rate, but 20% is still very, very good. And it's not like Herman doesn't get whiffs either. <laughs> he's got a good whiff rate and he's getting called strikes lately at a very, very good rate. So if he could just not have games where he's given up two or three home runs, uh, which is a big if pitching uh, in the AL East, but uh, you know, that, that seems to be the one thing left that uh, keeps Herman from being a, a must start a guy in fantasy. Mike Clevenger, a uh, great start against the White Sox, uh, 11 strikeouts, which is, you know, coming into the season, that seemed to be the one thing that you figured Mike Clevenger would do. You didn't know if maybe he wasn't, he was going to walk too many people. Uh, he's a bit fly ball, fly ball prone himself, or at least had been coming into this season. Uh, so there were certainly things to be skeptical about with Mike Clevenger. You figured strikeouts were not going to be one of them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's not been getting those big strikeout counts with regularity, but 11 strikeouts in seven innings against the White Sox. Uh, two runs, one only one of the two runs was earned for Clevenger. Five hits, one walk. So a really, really nice start for him. And he has, in fact, brought that walk right down this year. Uh, home runs have not been a problem at all for Clevenger. Um, so he's been pretty stingy in terms of the, the hard contact. But... Um, you know, profiling a little bit different uh, this year as a pitcher. Uh, hitters making more frequent contact against him, but um, pitching with much better control. And then when he's not locating in the zone, he's been much, much more deceptive. Has a 32% chase rate. Last year it was just 27%, which is decidedly subpar. So we're really seeing a different version of uh, Mike Clevenger this year, even though you know his pitching arsenal is is pretty much the same as it was a year ago. He's, uh, you know, improved in certain areas and, and for reasons that I haven't really looked into, he's, he's paid a price in terms of strikeouts. So I don't know if this is just matchup related against the White Sox or maybe we're going to start seeing some more strikeouts uh, from Mike Clevenger. But, uh, you know, time will time will answer that one. I'm sure uh, this is only the second time he's uh, hit double digit strikeouts this year. In fact, only the second time he's had more than seven strikeouts. Ball Sanchez has been pitching very nicely for the Braves. Seven scoreless innings yesterday against the Padres. So there's a little bit of a trend here, actually, right? Had Velasquez with a good start, but the Rockies on the road, not very good. Clevenger, a bunch of strikeouts against the White Sox. And now we got Anibal Sanchez with just a, a, a terrific start, really a dominant start against the Padres. But a lot of pitchers have been able to do that against the Padres. I feel like I've been saying that on every show for well, going back to the show when the show started uh, last winter. Uh, anyway, Sanchez, uh, seven scoreless innings, uh, four hits, no walks, six strikeouts. He's made three starts uh, in June, four starts in total uh, since rejoining the rotation. That first start back wasn't great, but the three starts he's made this month, 0.93 ERA, very low BABIP. So uh, Sanchez is, is certainly due for some regression. But, you know... I probably should just even make that analysis because when you've got a, a, an 0.93 ERA over a given period of time, you know, your name could be Max Scherzer or Corey Kluber. And yes, you're going to regress from that. So I apologize for the silliness of, uh, of that analysis, but uh, you know, we're also talking very small sample here, 
but you know we're we're seeing some good things from uh from Monty Balsan Sanchez um you know he's got the low babbit but also um a lot of soft contact in those three starts uh not very many walks so there there may be something legit here but we certainly need to see see it for more than just three starts for somebody who has struggled for uh, for quite a while at this stage in his career and uh Brought him up earlier in the show, brought him up on yesterday's show, but uh, Derek Rodriguez, uh, his first name is actually Ivan. He is Pudge Rodriguez's son, Uh, but uh, it's a little bit of a homecoming uh, having grown up in South Florida. Uh, Homecoming for uh, Derek Rodriguez against the Marlins and uh, must have liked the home cooking because he went six and two-thirds innings, only gave up two runs, seven hits, no walks, four strikeouts uh, against the Marlins. Next week, and I left him, I think I left him out of the two-starter pitcher discussion on Thursday's show, so might as well talk about him now. He gets the Marlins again on Tuesday. So if you're thinking, well, this is another one in this list of standout pitchers who uh, is benefiting from a a really good matchup, yeah, okay, entirely possible. Um, He's had a couple of good starts, a couple of not-so-good starts, so maybe he he, uh, was helped out by the matchup here. But Rodriguez gets the Marlins again next Tuesday. Same matchup, Rodriguez and Dan Straley. And then that would line them up to face, wait for it, the Padres next Sunday. So I really do think you have to think about Derek Rodriguez uh, as a two-star pickup next week. Widely available. I think certainly in anything that's 14 teams or deeper, you got to at least consider it. Um, And then also his teammate, Andrew Suarez, He's while well, Rodriguez has the Tuesday Sunday combo, Suarez gets uh, the same matchups Monday Saturday, so I think you got to give him some consideration as well. A uh, very good control pitcher who could really help you out and whip over uh, those couple of starts. Uh, same great matchups, so uh, I would give both of those uh, pitchers a little bit of a look. In fact, I'd probably give Suarez a slight priority over Derek Rodriguez uh, in terms of my my waiver claims uh, for next week. So uh, a lot of pitchers there, really not a lot of hitting performances to talk about from uh, uh, a small slate, but David Peralta did have a two-homer game against the Mets. He's now up to 14 on the season. And J.B. Shook had a four-hit game in that game. Uh, granted, it went 16 innings, so four-hit game doesn't sound as impressive. But four for seven, that's still very good. Two doubles, his second and third for the season. Did get caught stealing for the first time this year. But just a reminder that uh, his playing time's picking up a little bit, and he has the eighth highest sprint speed in the major leagues, according to StatCast. So a potential deep league steal source in J.B. Shook if he continues to build on his playing time. And at this point, I think the Marlins are just going to be trying things out and playing the hot hands and at least coming off of a four-hit game temporarily J.B. Shook uh, qualifies as a hot hand for the Marlins. So we got to head to break. When we come back, I've got your Twitter questions. Uh, We've got some lineups and weather to check in on, and we'll tell us to take a look at the schedule for the coming week. So you don't want to miss any of that. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? 
or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, got uh, lots of lineups to look at now. Um, so as much as I've tried not to catch these on the fly, there, there was sort of a deluge over the break. So I will get to as many of those as I can, try to get to all of them, actually, uh, before I do and get to all the uh, other things, including your Twitter questions. Um, just a reminder here that if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag with the promo code FNTSY. So, uh, yes, lineups, many, many laps to get to, uh, lots of weather forecasts to get to, but none of them looking especially problematic. Uh, in fact, the only one that really has any sort of uh, rain probability is uh, uh, the Braves hosting the Padres, uh, but uh, we're looking at uh, an 80% chance at first pitch, and then... Um, you know, going up just a little bit after that. So maybe a slight chance of delay. Nothing I think that should, you know, wipe out the game or anything. So uh, I wouldn't even worry about that one. Uh, so, yeah, lots of lineups here to get to. So get to them. I shall. We have the Reds and the Pirates uh, with one of the uh, 7.05 Eastern first pitches here. Uh, kick things off tonight. Matt Harvey and Chad Cool. And uh, this is the uh, matchup of teams uh, that have been doing the outfield rotation thing, even though the Reds said they stopped doing that. I don't know. No Billy Hamilton in the lineup for the Reds. So to me, that still looks like a rotation. So you got Adam Duvall, who did get some playing time uh, in Kansas City with the DH in play, uh, but he's back to left field center. So uh, with Jesse Winker and right, uh, Hamilton squeezed out there. And uh, for the Pirates, it is Austin Meadows who is the odd outfielder uh, out for tonight. Uh, Marlins and Orioles. We don't have an Orioles lineup yet, but this is uh, Jose Arrhenia and Kevin Gosman at Camden Yards. And uh, the aforementioned J.B. Shuck in the lineup again. So, you know, I said he was getting a little more, bit more playing time. Dom Adley going with the hot hand. He'll have another chance to build on that. He is batting ninth uh, against Orioles and Kevin Gosman. And uh, J.T. Riddle in the lineup again at short. Of course, he's been playing pretty regularly against righties and he slugged a homer in that game yesterday 
uh, against the Giants and has really been hitting with some good exit velocity since uh, getting uh, back up with the, the, with the Marlins. Uh, we have Rays Yankees, Nathan Navaldi, and making his major league debut, Jonathan Loisega. Uh, for the Rays, uh, no C.J. Crone tonight, and I think it's just a, a normal day off. I've not seen any report of any sort of injury or problem uh, for C.J. Crone. Uh, so you have Matt Duffy, DHing, and Christian Arroyo at third base. Uh, Joey Wendell filling the, the cleanup spot where Crone's uh, batted for the last several games. Uh, so that's your raised lineup against Lois Sega. Uh, Yankees lineup uh, looks like pretty much the normal thing. And yeah, here's where I get into the territory of uh, lineups that I'm seeing here for the first time. Uh, but uh, Didi Gregorius back in batting third, uh, back in the Yankees starting lineup. We have Nationals and Blue Jays, Gio Gonzalez and Aaron uh, Sanchez. Both uh, teams' lineups are out. And um, let's see, Blue Jays, I, uh, Randall Grichik in right field. No Curtis Granderson, but it's uh, the lefty Gio Gonzalez starting, so that's to be expected. We've got Twins and Indians, Kyle Gibson and Corey Kluber. No Twins lineup uh, yet, but uh, we do have uh, the Indians uh, lineup out. And we've got Eric Gonzalez at first base. And uh, so no Yonder Alonso and Tyler Naquin in center field. Greg Allen really been slumping lately. I don't know if this is just to give him a night off, but uh, Tyler Naquin uh, in center field for the Indians. We've got Padres and Braves at SunTrust Park. Clayton Richard and Brandon McCarthy. Uh, Padres outfield, which is something of a rotation. We've got uh, Renfro, Margot, and Jankowski out there uh, for uh, for the Padres. Um, no Framil Reyes, who's not been hitting very much. And uh, for the Braves, uh, we do have Ender Enciarte, who normally does start against lefties, but he's in there and batting seventh. Ozzy Albee's leading off. Uh, Kurt Suzuki getting a start behind the plate. White Sox lineup is out. Uh, they're facing Mike Fires and the Tigers. They'll be starting Ronaldo Lopez. And uh, yeah, nothing too unusual there. Uh, Cubs at Cardinals, John Lester, Michael Waka. So you got uh, Albert Almora leading off, playing center. Ian Happ uh, in uh, right field and batting eighth. Uh, no Jason Hayward. And, um, you know, Jason Hayward probably should be having a better season than what he's having. I was digging into his stats recently, and it's just been kind of same old, same old for Jason Hayward, which has not really been great for fantasy. But despite the fact that he's hitting with a higher launch angle and making much harder contact, he's getting the same results. So I don't know if he's uh, maybe uh, a sleeper, rest of season sleeper at this point, what's going on there. But that's a, that's a little odd. Uh, and his X stats suggest that he should be uh, hitting with a little bit more extra base power. Anyway, not in the lineup against uh, against Michael Waka. Uh, and finally, we've got Astros Royals, Charlie Morton and Jake Junis. That's uh, Kauffman Stadium. George Springer back in the lineup after getting yesterday off. And of course, in his customary leadoff spot and in center field, Marwin Gonzalez at first base, batting seventh. Tony Kemp in left field, Josh Reddick in right. And uh, otherwise, looks like a pretty normal Astros lineup. It's a Brian McCann night, uh, no Max Stacy 
And for the Kansas City Royals, Abraham Almonte in center, batting ninth, Paulo Orlando DHing, uh, batting eighth. So yeah, not too much there of uh, of note for the Royals. So that covers the lineups up to this point. And uh, let's move right from that into uh, your Twitter questions, which you have very patiently waited for. Uh, but uh, I've got those lined up for you, so I appreciate you coming through. Also do a quick check just to see if we have any, any latecomers, because I did uh, say if you still have questions, uh, I could take them. Anyway, here's uh, what we got from at Henry Howard. Uh, one start starting pitcher dilemma in a head-to-head points league. Here's the options. Paxton at the Yankees. Flaherty at the Brewers, Haney at the Blue Jays, Newcomb at home versus the Orioles need just one. I'm going to go with the pitcher here who actually has the worst matchup. <laughs> I'm going to go with James Paxton just because he is now over you know the last year and a half, he's proven himself to be beyond matchups. He's, he is literally must start. I would go with him. Uh, Jack Flaherty, it's been some inconsistency there. Haney's had a couple of bad starts, but actually has been pretty good. He'd probably be my second choice, but I just, I, you know, I would like to start Haney, but if I if it's at the expense of Paxton, I don't want to do it, even though he's facing the Yankees. And then Sean Newcomb, obviously a very good matchup against the Orioles. He's been a little light on strikeouts lately. So uh, Paxton it is, Henry. So I hope that does help you. Uh, next we got at spinmaster underscore Vin. In the market for a shortstop, the pickings are slim. I think uh, everybody listening can uh, identify with this. Uh, he's got Simeon. Uh, he's got uh, Corey Seager, obviously, out for the year. Uh, he's got Simeon, but underwhelming. Looking at Marte and Profar, batted ball and counting stats are close, but Profar's ISO much better. Hot Texas weather coming, but so is Andrews. Uh, excellent point there, Vin. Uh, so thoughts and thanks. So uh, I think you, you sort of made the the argument partially for me. It's a tough call. It's a really tough call before between Marte and Profar. Uh, I bid on both of them in Tout Wars last weekend, but I prioritized uh, Marte. So I've gone through this struggle myself in prioritizing the two. Uh, and even though Profar, you know, has, I think, certainly the, the better pedigree and, and, and a bit more hype behind him, uh, I think if we look at actual major league performance going back to last year, uh, and certainly looking deep, more deeply into peripherals. I just like Marte better. And the fact that he's just red hot too. And I understand you're talking rest of season here. So that hot streak is maybe not that much of a factor when you're looking over the next, you know, three plus months. But with Andrews coming, I think, you know, Marte's definitely got the, the much clearer shot at playing time over the long term. So that is, I suppose, a tiebreaker because besides that, it's awfully close. But I think even without the playing time considerations, I'd probably give Marte just a, a hair bit of preference, uh, just a, a slight bit. So I'd go with Marte. So uh, good luck, Spin, uh, Spin Master Vin. And at Drew Bugs 17 it's not a lineup question. That's okay. Uh, but in a 12-team on-base percentage head-to-head categories league, uh, keep four players for a year, and the average of the previous year's auction and next year's projected Yahoo price. That's complicated. Okay, but that, that helps. Uh, at least the trade is simple. We're looking at $21 J.D. Martinez for $29 Manny Machado. 
and for the contextual extra credit here, he's got uh, Aaron Judge, Andrew Benintendi, and um, Nomar Mazzara, and it's a three outfield, <coughs> excuse me, one utility slot league. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. This one too, just like with Marte versus Profar, you can slice this a bunch of different ways, certainly because it's a keeper league. Age gives Manny Machado a little bit of an advantage here. The fact that you already have three really great outfielders, um, it certainly also works to Machado's advantage, but you do have a utility slot and Martinez is $8 cheaper. So pretty much for me, that, that just about evens it out. This is really tough. I wouldn't blame you for going either way with this. I know that's a total cop-out, but I will tell you if it were me, I would not make this trade. Because even though Machado's younger and maybe there's some room for him to even improve further, I think that if you're, you know, you're you're talking about the fact that you could use either one of the utility slot, I'd rather have Martinez. I, I just think he's gonna be a little bit more productive. Um it's you know a tough call, and the eight dollars cheaper probably makes that choice a little bit easier for me. So I think this is a virtual coin flip, but uh, the the side factor here is that you do have a utility slot that you can use these guys in, and and I would give Martinez and the eight dollar cheaper price the preference here. So appreciate those questions. I'm just gonna do a last second check and see. Uh, those are ones that I got pre-show. I have not gotten any during show questions. So that is going to wrap up the questions. But again, uh, if you've got questions come Monday, uh, I will certainly take them uh, for Monday's show. So uh, that said, we uh, do have next week to look ahead. Very different from this week. Uh, more games on the schedule. And there's only two teams that have a five-game week. Uh, you've got the uh, Braves and the Tigers. Braves uh, have a two-game series at Toronto and then uh, three games at home versus the Orioles. So uh, there, there is Jay Happ and Dylan Bundy on the schedule, but otherwise, um, you know, the pitching is not going to be something you're going to have to worry about. So that maybe neutralizes the impact of, um, of the five-game schedule a little bit. Uh, so I, you know, I think if it came to, like, Nick Markakis, I probably would still start him and any conceivable, uh, you know, dilemma that I might have. I think you go a little bit farther down to uh, Ender and Ciarte, uh, that I pro I would be very, very likely to sit him in uh, a 12-team 12, uh, 12 mixed league. Um, yeah, I think those are really only your, your, your only dilemmas because obviously you're going to start Freddie Freeman no matter what. Um, you know, you're talking about leagues where you own Swanson or Camargo. Uh, you probably can't afford to sit them be, uh, due to five games. Although I suppose if you have, uh, you know, some surplus at those positions, um, you know, maybe that, that that's a deciding factor for you. But I think uh, Ender and Ciarte is probably the one player where uh, that five-game schedule is going to be a deciding factor. And then uh, as far as the Tigers are concerned, uh, they've got the Reds for two games in Cincinnati. Sal Romano and Tyler Maley like those matchups a lot. And But then you go to Cleveland for three. Uh, Carrasco, Plutko, and uh, Bauer. So I think that's enough uh, incentive to uh, probably sit Nick Castellanos next week in standard leagues. Uh, same thing for Jamie Candelario, Leonis Martin. 
John Hicks, I think, you know, because you're probably using him in a catcher slot, uh, he's still probably going to start five games next week because he's not actually catching. He's playing first base. So I think maybe that's your one exception where, uh, you know, unless the, you don't like the matchups, I still think Hicks is probably still worth starting a catcher next week. But yeah, Martin, Castellanos, Candelario, uh, I would uh, sit them in, in shallow and standard leagues uh, for next week. And then you've got 10 teams, kind of 10 teams uh, that have seven game schedules next week. Only two of them, though, are in the AL, so that's a little bit weird. Uh, the White Sox and the Yankees, uh, they have seven games on the schedule next week, and then a whole bunch in the NL. Uh, you've got the Cubs, Rockies, Brewers, Mets, Pirates, Giants, Cardinals, and Nationals. So all eight of those NL teams uh, next week have seven game schedules, um, so you know, uh, the, the, the players, uh, on those teams, I don't know that there's any Cubs necessarily that would, uh, you, you know, be, uh, uh, affected by that, you know, Rockies, the DJ LeMahieu that probably makes him viable where he otherwise, uh, might not be. Um, so for, uh, you know, the, the, the giants, uh, Brandon belt, we see what his situation is this weekend. Uh, and if he is back as expected and again, Brandon belt might be back as soon as uh, tonight for uh, for the Giants. Next week, you'd be looking at uh, a seven-game schedule, three against the Marlins, four against uh, the Padres. So not much uh, good pitching, honest, uh, to be honest there. You know, Caleb Smith could be tough. Clayton Richards on a nice roll. But, uh, you know, I think Brandon Belt would be somebody you'd probably be highly motivated to get into your lineup if he's healthy uh, next week. So... Anyhow, uh, gonna have to put a bow on it right there. But thank you so much for joining me today and for this week. I wish you the best of luck this weekend, and looking forward to seeing you again right here next Monday. Monday coming up next week. So, anyways, have a great one, everybody. See you next week.